Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here's Dickow from the deep corner for three. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's on now. Downtown Dan connects. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. I mean, I've seen Dan Dickow hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. Dan Dickow here for SB Live Sports and the ISO Podcast. Glad to have you join today. Well... College and the NBA basketball season are definitely in full swing now. High school, at least in the state of Washington, where SB Live is based, although we have coverage in uh, 10 states or so now, uh, is beginning this week. So we'll be looking forward to tracking high school basketball at a number of different events in a number of different areas over the coming months. But really wanted to focus in on the college and NBA game and share with uh, you listeners uh, a few of my early season thoughts, what I like, what I don't like, things that have really caught my eye. So wanted to start at the NBA level today. Um, I don't watch as much NBA as I as I once did. Obviously, as a player, you're watching it every single day. You've got uh, NBA League Pass on at home, uh, watching multiple games, just trying to keep a, a great pulse on the game uh, and pay attention to the teams that you're about um, to go up against and play in the next week or two um, so that you can kind of be prepared a little bit more on personnel, maybe a few of the things that they're running offensively and defensively um, so that you would be a little bit more prepared. But you know, when I look at this early NBA season, there are a ton of great storylines. I mean, you look at some of the young players in the league right now that are are really producing. Um, the the guys that come to mind quickest for me are Ja Morant with Memphis and Lamelo Ball um, with Charlotte. I know there's lots of other guys uh, at a young age that are doing some great things. Evan Mobley's had a nice start in Cleveland, but those two have kind of caught my eye just because myself being a former point guard, you kind of look at the game and and look at the point guards and see who really catches your eye and and see what things you like at that position that you formerly played. And when I look at John Morant, for example, with with Memphis, I look at a Allen Iverson type competitor with tremendous athleticism uh, who is absolutely electric in the open court because of that athleticism. He'll attack the rim. He's a tremendous finisher with either hand or he's so athletic he can get over the top and finish um, with a dunk. But when you look at him also, you look at his creativity with his ball handling. It is absolutely uh, incredible. It is really fun to watch. His ball's on a string. He does a really good job of lulling the defense to sleep and then really changing directions, changing speeds, and attacking the defender, putting them on their heels. Um, So he plays with a nice blend of skill and pace and aggressiveness that's really fun to watch. I think the the other thing that I'm really liking is, you know, 
coming from Murray State, you didn't see a ton of him in college, so you weren't 100% sure what to expect at different times, and um, you didn't know how necessarily his game would translate. Uh, he ended up being the number two pick. Maybe he should have been the number one pick if you look at how injury-prone Zion Williamson has been, and that's a whole other story. I mean, he, you see some of those pictures. Um, he's he's definitely looking as if he's well over 300 pounds, and that can't be good for somebody who plays with as much force and explosiveness as he does. That's got to be a lot of wear and tear on those knees, which are already having a, a lot of issues. But back to John Morant. Could have been the number one pick. Really fun to watch his progression his first couple of years in the league. And uh, right now, you know, if, if I have a chance to pick between a couple games on TV, if Memphis is on, I'm glued to the TV because he is he is fun to watch. You're going to learn a lot. And you're going to be entertained, too. The other one um, that I mentioned in, in LaMelo Ball is I was very, very skeptical of LaMelo Ball and his game. Um, and it's not because of him, to be honest with you. It's because of uh, um, the dad. I'm drawing a blank on on uh, <laughs> the Paul's dad's name. Maybe that shows you that it's he's Lamelo's game has gotten to the past or gotten past the point of uh, kind of really being pushed and, and talked about because of the dad running the big baller brand, being as outspoken and outgoing as he's been about different things. But I will say this, he was right in saying that LaMelo was going to be the best of them all. Lonzo's been tremendous this year in Chicago. Sometimes players just need uh, a change of scenery, a better setting for him. LiAngelo, you know, he's looking like uh, he might carve out a good G League career. But LaMelo, um, he's fun to watch for me because he plays with so much confidence and he plays with a swagger, and he plays, really, he plays, yeah, he'll take some crazy deep threes occasionally here and there, but he plays with a passion and a joy to make his teammates better. And it's beginning to translate um, into that Hornet basketball team, having a lot of confidence when they step out on the floor and really looking like a, a team that uh, could be dangerous come playoff time. Uh, you know, they are young, they got a lot of young pieces, but when when you, when you have a guard similar to Lomelo, kind of like what Trey Young went through last year, going through the playoffs and really kind of going through those battle-tested opportunities, and then coming out with flying colors, that's their, their games are different. Trey Young's a much better shooter, but that's a very good comparison to look at. A growth of if the Hornets get to the playoffs and Lamelo can be put in situations like Trey Young was last year, and if he succeeds at him, that confidence is only going to grow and it's going to be interesting to watch. So, those are two players that have really caught my eye early. Um, you know, I want the thing that's not surprising to me, in all honesty, is the Lakers' struggles. You know, they're hovering right around 500, um, give or take a, a game or two, um, but. To me, that roster just doesn't fit. I think Frank Vogel's a really good coach. I, I think he's trying to figure things out, but um, they the, the roster doesn't fit, and they've had a number of injuries, in particular um, Anthony Davis as well as as LeBron James. And you know, LeBron has been pretty darn healthy over the course of his career, and it's pretty pretty amazing. Um, but he's 36, 37 years old, and time's creeping up on him. 
Um, he's still one of the best players. He's one of the most dominant players. He controls every game that he's in. Um, but you're starting to see some injuries creep up and really impact him, his ability to be available too, and then his ability to to be dominant for the entire stretch of the game. Um, not to say, again, he's still one of the best players in the world, but um, that's something to keep an eye on. But when I say the roster doesn't mix, it doesn't fit, I, I did not like the addition of Dwight Howard. I just don't think that makes a lot of sense. I, I get it. You have other scorers, and at this point in the career, Dwight Howard is a enforcer, a screener, rebounder guy, um, block some shots, protect at the rim. Um, but he also he's going to want the ball because of – how good of a player he has been. It's hard for a lot of guys, and most people don't understand this. When you've been the guy uh, for so long at such a high level, um, it's hard to take a secondary scoring role on the offensive end. Uh, and, I, and I think at some point that's going to creep in, and, and Dwight Howard's going to want a little bigger role. Um, it's odd and it's interesting to me. You know, Laker fans got so excited this summer when, you know, there was a couple social media posts of Dwight Howard, of all people, shooting corner threes and talking about expanding his game. Come on now. <laughs> know your role, execute your role, um, focus on your role. You're not on the Lakers to shoot corner threes. Um, but I, at Westbrook, as much as I like Russell Westbrook's game, and I think he's a, a an all-time great, you know, he's he's averaged triple-double now for, I think, three consecutive seasons. Um, he He's a guy who needs the ball in his hand. He is constantly in attack mode. He's constantly got that foot on the gas. And the, the I just don't think that's a good mix for, for the Lakers. I think they really made a mistake in not signing Alex Caruso. The Bulls swept in, made a nice offer. It's come out recently that, that Caruso really wanted to stay in L.A. He asked the Lakers if they would match, and if not match, come close, and the Lakers said no thanks. Um, and I think you've seen that impact the Lakers because they've lost his toughness on the defensive end. Uh, they've lost his, his willingness to step up and, and take and make big shots when other guys get doubled, but then understand and, and know that there's nights that, the ball doesn't come to you, and you're not going to get shots. And he seemed to be perfectly fine with that. So the Lakers' struggles were interesting, but the Warriors' dominance so far has been fun to watch. As I record this, the Warriors are sitting at 12-2. and two. Uh, I believe they're going to have one more game before I this is released. Um, but it, you want to talk about a fun team to watch? They are a fun team to watch. Any team with Steph Curry is fun to watch. I mean, he's averaging... 29 a game. He's now broken the all-time three-point record. Um, you know, the way they play, just the ball movement, the passing, the cutting, the screening. Curry's constantly in motion. Um, it's just beautiful basketball. And then you add the skill guys that they have. Andrew Wiggins. Uh, Wiseman hasn't fully gotten in the mix, but he's got tremendous uh, opportunity and potential this year. But Draymond Green, you're talking about your four-man Leading your team in rebounds and blocks is what you expect, but also an assist at over seven a game. We'll see how that continues on throughout the course of the year, but that is awesome. That's fun to watch them play. Plus, they're about to get maybe the best shooter in the, in the league, in the world right now. If you don't consider Steph Curry the best shooter, you probably consider Klay Thompson the best shooter. He's basically missed the last two years with uh, a knee injury and then a torn Achilles. He's just now started to get back to five-on-five -five workouts. So I would imagine in the next couple weeks, um, he's back. 
and you add that firepower to what they're doing right now on the offensive end, it's going to be impossible to stop. But defensively, they've been really good as well. I think uh, as of this recording, I believe they're one or two in offense, and I believe they're two or three in defensive efficiency. Those are championship-type numbers. Um, so those are, that, those are going to be fun to track. Wanted to go on the college scene for a little bit and uh, just kind of give a few teams and thoughts that have really – jumped out early to me well just really one team that's jumped out um you know i'll touch on a couple others but the team that's really surprised me and i thought they were going to be good but i didn't think they were going to be this good is byu mark pope is doing a tremendous job in provo uh, they made the ncaa tournament last year two years ago with covid they would have made the ncaa tournament um but they're they're a team that uh is taking advantage of alex barcelo coming back for his super senior year which is what it's being called but it's a great example Alex, Alex Barcelo is is transferring when you know this current situation that you're in even though you're a good enough player to be there isn't right for you and isn't best for your career so he started at the University of Arizona and he was playing some not much but he was kind of really relegated to a role of uh, you're, you're a setup guy and you're a catch-and-shoot spot three-point shooter um, he transfers to BYU and now he's averaging around 20 points a game. He's become one of the best three-point shooters in the country. I think the stat that I just read was over his last, I want to say, 20 games dating back to last year, he's shooting over 50% from the three-point line. That's incredible. And, and when you factor in the fact that he's got a lot of the ball handling responsibilities uh, for BYU, and he typically guards the opponent's best uh, perimeter player, um, on the other end, that's that's terrific to see. So they've been big time so far in wins over San Diego State and an absolute beatdown of Oregon, who was ranked much higher than them um, just a few days ago in Portland at the Phil Knight Invitational. Um, a league that that is struggling again. The Big Ten had so much hype a season ago in regards to the amount of teams that they were getting in the NCAA tournament and the amount of teams that people thought had a chance to get to a Final Four. And the Big Ten laid, completely laid an egg in the NCAA tournament last year. Um, now, I do think Michigan is very good this year. I do think they have a chance uh, to make it to the um, you know elite, maybe the, the Final Four, which some people think. But they've already uh, took, took an, uh, a surprising loss early in the season. Illinois, yeah, they lost uh, Sunmo, but the big fella Cockburn came back. Um, they lost to Marquette, uh, who is, I believe, they were preseason Big East, second to last. So Shaka Smart's got his work cut out for him. But Big Ten, looking like some struggles this year early on. Hopefully they can get it together. But the big thing I wanted to touch on with college basketball was something that we saw a lot in the first week, and that is big-time matchups on campus. You saw Gonzaga host Texas, number one, hosted number five. Gonzaga won handily by about 14 behind a big-time performance from Drew Timmy of 37 points. Um, but one versus five, on campus was great to see. Next year, Gonzaga returns the favor and plays that game in in Austin, Texas. So that will be fun to track and watch. But on this on, on the same, you know, forty eight hour stretch, we had Villanova traveling all the way from Philadelphia to L A to play UCLA on campus at Poly Pavilion. Two awesome 
sold out venues, student sections were, were crazy. Um, the support was there. That's what college basketball is all about. That's, I think, what college basketball needs more of. Uh, you, you see a lot of these multi-team events where there might be two games at Madison Square Garden or two games at the United Center, just some random one-offs. Um, and I get it. The promoters are trying to make a lot of money, but these traditional power matchups on campus, I, I think, can really spur a lot more excitement in college basketball. And I think it's something that uh, you're going to see happen a little bit more. It's funny because this comment came up and Coach Few was uh, was asked about it in, in the local Spokane papers, and they have tried to get any and everybody from the Power Five conferences to play here in Spokane on campus, and, and everybody has except for Duke and Kentucky. So, and, and I know from from firsthand experience, Gonzaga would take those games. They want those games. They just haven't been able, I don't want to say convince Duke or Kentucky to come on campus and do a home and home. Um, but I know the interest is there and the want is there. And I think the need and the want is there from college basketball fans. And so hopefully it's only a matter of time before that, that gets done. The other idea that I have that I think would be awesome to see um, for all of college basketball is a pause at the end of January or at the end of or at, or at the start of February. So about five weeks before the NCAA tournaments. And I, and I say a pause in league play. League play because a lot of these leagues have expanded to 15 teams-ish. You know, um, Pac-12 has 12 teams. Big 12 has a number. A lot of mega conferences. The Big 10, I think, has 14, if I'm not mistaken. Um so you're seeing not you're seeing conference league games already starting in December, and I get it because they've expanded their television contracts, so they have to provide the amount of games. But what I'm proposing, and what I think would be great, was is that maybe a three or four day stretch at the end of January or early February, where you have to play one, maybe two, non-conference games. I think that would be tremendous to get teams ready for the NCAA tournament and see a different style. Because a lot of times, I think that's what hurt the Big Ten last year, is everybody, for the most part, plays a similar style in the Big 12. They're physical, they're bruising, um, focused on defense and rebounding. Um, so you just get locked in and geared in on the same similar type teams. Now there's differences here to there, but for the most part, leagues a lot of times have a similar pattern with how they play. But you also get into a, a pattern of how you prepare for teams in your league. If you took those games out and you had a, a non-conference matchup that was really good, you know that's going to keep the attention span of, of your players. That's going to keep your the attention span of the assistant coaches having to be creative game planning and preparing. And that would help, I think, get teams more prepared and ready uh, for the NCAA tournament in that first weekend, uh, 100%. I think that would be exciting to see. So, well... Another episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow for SB Live Sports. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Maybe you agreed with some of it. Maybe you didn't. Send me a message. Send me a comment at DanDickow21 on Instagram as well as on Twitter. If you've got a topic that you'd like me to cover, send me a message. If you've got a question, you drop it in, in our DMs or email me, Dickow at Scorebook Live. Because every Wednesday, we also come up with a mailbag episode where I answer three of your questions. So, like, subscribe, and review for the ISO. Take care. Have a great day.
The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.